apologize in advance. How's everybody doing? Y'all enjoying the weather? Anybody do anything fun yesterday? Yeah? I did something fun yesterday. I laid hardwood in our boys' room. I had a hard time getting up this morning. Ron, I have no idea how you do what you do. You're the man. Um, Here's what I learned. When you do that, make sure you drink plenty of water. Otherwise, when you're tucking your kids in at night, you start cramping up, and it's not a good thing. So, um, hey, I'm glad you're here today. My name's Chad. Uh, If you don't know who I am, I'm the lead pastor here at LightPoint. We're in Ephesians, so go over to Ephesians in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles with you, that's okay. It'll be on the screen behind behind me. Or if you want to pull out your phone, you can follow along in there. The... uh, the theme we've been kind of pulling from Ephesians is this idea of more, is, is this concept of more. And we live in a, in a world, in a society that it seems like we're always wanting more. We're always wanting something better. We're always shooting for something just more in life. And I, and I believe that the one thing we lose track of a lot of times is that we shoot for more of material things, more of things to fill our home, more of things that we bring us comfort. And one of the things we miss out on is that what Jesus or what Jesus provided was more, but it wasn't in the concept of material items or of, of people or of anything like that. What it was more of was more of him. And this, this belief or this truth that says this is that if all else falls away, as long as I have Jesus, I have more. And, and I was interesting, I was reading a a post yesterday by a friend, and it was on Instagram. And it was made by a well-known pastor, and, he, and he, the comment was this. It said, if, the, if you show up on Sunday and the, the projector doesn't work, and you take away the cool setup stuff, and you take away the cool stage designs, and you take away uh, the cool music show, if you take away all the comforts, if you take, and this is my favorite one, if you take away comfortable chairs. Oh, and air conditioning, that's right, you saw it. And I'm like, has this dude ever planted a church before? Because how comfy are those chairs right now? And I bet y'all are hoping, I, I bet y'all are hoping I get on with the message so you don't have to sit there longer, right? Um, see, there you go. Um, here's the thing. What I've found is this, is that in, in this world where we want comfort and we want all these things, I'm wondering in our own hearts if we would just simply be okay if we just had Jesus. If we would be fine if we just had Jesus and we were drawing close to him. And so this is the thing that as we looked at last week, we looked at this, this prayer that Paul had for his church and understanding more of who he is and understanding more of who Jesus is. And this was his prayer that, that the church would gain a better understanding of God and what he brings, what, he, what he's about and the truth that surrounds him and his plan for us. And this week we move into chapter 2. And this is a, this is a hard um, piece of scripture that a lot of us have a hard time understanding and grasping. And here's what I've learned in the past couple years is that, does anybody else share the idea that if I cannot earn it, I really don't want it? Like, I don't like handouts. I don't want somebody to hand me something. Let me work for it, 
and then I can, be, I can earn it myself. And so we have this mentality a lot of times that we take into our faith walk that says this, if I can't earn it, then why do I need it? And we live in this world where, and, there's, and one of the things I'm noticing as I, I do my job more and more is that there are people who, who want to earn something and they're willing to do what it takes to earn it. And then yet we have in our society some people who are entitled and they just want a handout. And, and it's interesting because it's a hard thing to wrap your head around because there are truly some people in our, in our society that they need, they need that help, they need that assistance, and there's nothing wrong with that. Because as a society, as a church, God has called us to take care of those people, and that's a good thing to do. But there's some people who just simply take advantage of it, and they have no need of, of a handout, but they're there to get the handout. And, it, and it, let's be honest, sometimes it rubs us the wrong way. Because when we look at them, we're like, man, you could be... You could be doing something here to earn this. And then the other, there's others of us that we have no problem with getting our hands dirty and, 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 and putting the work in to receive something in return. And so we have this gamut. But there's something interesting about God's economy. There's something interesting about the way God works things. And this is the piece we're going to unpack today is this, this idea that there's something God has for each of us that we can't do enough work to even get close to it. Like, this is something we don't earn. And I understand that for some of us, this is a hard reality to wrap our minds around because we, live, we are either raised in a way where we have a strong work ethic to where it says, you know what, I've got to work to get this. I've got to put in the time, the sweat, the blood, the energy in order to receive something. But see, here's something interesting is this. As we have a loving father who says, I have something for you that you cannot earn. But when I give this to you, I have something for you to do because of what I give you. And I want to show that to you today. So let's go to Ephesians 2. And we'll start in verse 1. It reads this. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But... God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should what? There's this this peace that God has for us. We can't do enough to get it. 
It's a gift. And he gives it to us over and over and over again. And it's for a reason. It's not just for us to sit on. It's not just for us to say, I've got it and, and, I'm, and it's overflowing. But it's, it's done so that we can be prepared to do what he has called us to do. And sometimes I think we get it backwards. It's this. Let me do the work. Then maybe he'll give me this. And then I'll be good. As opposed to, let me receive what he has for me. So that I can do the work he's called me to do. So let's go to this. I believe that God has a new life a plan for a new life for us. There's this plan that he has. It's a, more, it's a life of more, not less. It's a life of more. It's a life that, that abundantly goes beyond anything we can imagine, and it is a new life that he has for us and that he has in store for us. And it's found in this Ephesians chapter 2, 1 to 10. And here's what I want us to understand as we open up this passage and as we dive into it. I want us to understand that there's some truths we have to look at. The first truth we have to look at is that is this, is that everyone in this room has a past. And what I mean by past is this, we have some things in our past and even in our present that they just fall short of what God has for us. We have every one of us. You're, and see, here's what's in it. You ever hear this? Somebody comes to know Christ, and, and here's what I, I've heard sometimes, is you hear testimonies of, of the guy who was an addict and who had hit rock bottom, and, or the gal that was an addict, and they met Jesus, and their life was transformed. And it's an amazing story, and there's a lot of awesomeness that goes with it. And, and so there's this story, and then there's some people who, who have just, they, they've lived a good life. And they've met Jesus in their, in their good life, and in that good life, they met Jesus and their life was transformed. But a lot of times, I'll hear this when I hear a story. Now, my story's not as great as somebody else's story because I wasn't this. Thank you, Mike. If you didn't hear him, he said bull. <laughs> Thank you. We're in church now. And, and there's this piece that we, we, a lot of times we could rest on that, that, oh, well, I was good. And my story of transformation isn't as great as this story of transformation. But I want to show you something. If we can all agree that we all have a past and we all have something in our past that was not what God intended for us, then let's dive into this real quick. It says this, and, and you... And remember Paul when he says, when, who he's writing to, is he's writing to the church of Ephesus. So he's writing to a church body. So he wasn't just honing in on one individual, but he was honing in on the whole church body as a whole. He says, and you, all of us, were dead in the trespasses and sins. Now let me, let's stop here. This word trespasses has a meaning behind it. And the trespasses this is, is, the meaning behind it is this, is a false step, a misstep, a lapse or deviation from the truth, 
and uprightness, a sin or a misdeed. Now, is it fair to say that all of us have had some missteps in our lives? Yes? Thank you, Dale. And is it fair to say that some of us have more missteps than others? <laughs> this word sin, we throw this word sin out, but do we understand what sin means? Do we understand what this word sin means, the meaning behind it? Chad, Chad recently for his birthday, we got him, little Chad, not me, little Chad, we got him a bow and arrow. And yeah, it went that well. So we got him a bow and arrow. Um, I'm just kidding. He's been doing great with it. So we go and we got these hay bales we set up in the backyard. And, and we've got a target on this on, on we put up there. And, and the idea of, of going target shooting, whether it be bows and arrows or whether it be guns, is to hit what? Someone said mark. Someone said bullseye. So let's just gather and say the idea is to hit the center of the bullseye, the mark. That's the idea. Like if you hit somewhere else, guess what? It doesn't count. Like even though we like to make people feel good because we'll put, we'll put a value. Like if you hit the bullseye, it's a 10, and then you work your way out. Let's just be honest. Are you shooting for nines, eights, sevens, and sixes? No. You're shooting for a 10. And when you miss the 10, let's be like if, if you're not competitive, you're not going to understand this one bit. But if you're like me, I miss that 10, and a little bit of me is just like, oh, just get mad. So we're out there shooting with this arrow with Chad, and, and we're having a competition because Chad and I like to have competitions, and um, I, I like to beat them all the time. Anyway, so we're sitting there, and the idea was to hit the 10. And every time we miss the 10, I could tell, and my son probably gets a little bit of this from me. It's kind of bad. I probably should fix this. But he, he misses it, and, and he goes, and he gets frustrated. He gets mad. And then so we, he does this turn to him, and then so I miss it. And I get joyful, and I'm just kidding. I got mad. But see, this word sin, this piece is this, is that is, it doesn't matter. Sin is this, is God has a mark for us to hit a bullseye for us to hit, and if we miss it, we miss it. Like there's, there's, like even if we get it on like the, the nine, that's a miss. It doesn't count. When we talk about sin, is there's this one way and one way, there's one shot and one shot only to hit it. And anything outside of that is a sin, is a trespass. And is it fair to say that in our lives, not all of us have hit the mark every day? I mean, this morning, I think I yelled at the dog for something. I, I, I don't treat people the way they should be treated all the time. When I walked in today and Dale told me that there was dust everywhere, I got to say I was a little upset. Sometimes my reactions aren't always the best. Sometimes my son says something very innocent to me, and my response to him does not reflect, does not hit the mark that God has for me as a father. Sometimes I miss the mark. A lot of times I miss the mark. Let's, let's go on. And it says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. So what happens is this. We either, we either have a choice to be 
uh, dead to something or alive to something. And, and Paul's saying here, you were dead in these trespasses. You were spiritually dead in these, these false steps because of these false steps, because you didn't hit the mark in which you once walked. So this is pointing to the fact that this church, he's talking about the new life that they have because it's no longer about missing the mark and it's no longer about these false steps. Why? And he goes on, he says this, following the curse of this world. Now, what is this curse of the world? What is this peace in our world today that I believe that one of the, we could put underneath this course of the world, of this world? And it's this. Following the course of the world is this, I don't need God, I got this. How many times do we put this piece, now, now this is my translation, so this is how I, I gain understanding of this particular piece. We live in a world that tells God, I got this, I don't need you. We live amongst people that says, you know what, I can handle this. I have my own truth. I have my own beliefs. I have my own way of doing th these things. God, I don't need your mark anymore. And this is where the world we live in. Sometimes this is our own attitude. We say, God, I got this. I don't need you. I don't need you right now. God, I can handle this. I don't need your mark right here. And we follow this course of the world, of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of what? Disobedience. Among whom we all once lived, again going back to an old life, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul was pointing to the church of Ephesus and saying, look, we all have this past. We all have this past where we continually miss the mark. We all have this past where we had missteps along the way. And I need you to understand that that's no longer you because of something. Because of something God, Jesus did, because of what he did, it provided something for us that did no the missteps and, the, and the, the missing the mark no longer mattered when we walked something out, and this is what it means. And so we, we'll get there, but here's this, ready? Just so you know that there, there is um, truth in all this about we all have our past. In Romans 3, 22, last part of 22 going into 23 says this, for there is no distinction for all have sinned, for all have missed the mark, and fall short of the what? Of God. There's no, there's no way out of this. And so we go on, we all have this past. And he goes into this piece in verse 4 and 7. And this is the piece that a heavenly father, a loving father, it draws us to it, and, it, and it's this. God, see, here's the, the next point. God is not restrained by our past. God is not limited by our past. Just because of our missteps or missing the mark, that does not define who God is or how much he loves me. Remember how we were going through the series of God's glory, the glory of God. 
We went through this whole series, talked about the glory of the God, and the idea of this is, is we're to reflect that glory, and we're to, to let that shine into this world, and, and the piece of it is, is it's, it's the fact that our job is to reflect that glory and to show it, but we started unpacking what, his, what it means for God to be holy, and his holiness is this, is that there's nothing that can be added to it or taken away. There's nothing that, can, that we can do to make him look any better or make him look any worse. There's nothing we can do to make him love us more or love us less. He is who he is and that does not change. And so there's this piece in this that that we have to understand is regardless of our past, regardless of our missteps, regardless of how many times we've missed that mark or even hit the mark, it doesn't matter. That does not restrain or limit our God. And here's how we know it in verse 4 and 7. It says this, but God being rich in mercy. What's this mean? We talked about this word rich last week. Rich is this. It's an abundance. It's an overflow. There's no limit to it. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. And so it says this. But God being rich in mercy. This is who he is. There's no limit to his mercy. There's nothing that can limit who he is. Because of the great love. See, if you're not circling great love right now. Circle that sucker. Because of his great love with which he loved us. Which he loved you. Even when you, we were dead in our trespasses, made us what? Together with Christ. And then it says... By grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. See, he doesn't, our missteps, our missing the mark does not, does not keep him from letting his mercy and letting his love for us stop. It keeps coming. It's so rich, it just, it's an abundance of it. It's not limited. And it goes on and it says, and raise us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let's grasp that for a minute. It would be one thing for God just to say, you know what? I'm going to let my grace save you. It would be one thing for him to say, you know what? My grace covers your missteps. My grace covers when you hit, miss the mark. That, 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 would be, that would be plenty, Right? That would be enough. But he, because of who he is, he takes it one step further. He gives us more. Here's what he does. And raise us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He doesn't keep us down here. He puts us right there with him. Seated with him. To enjoy a relationship with him that comes from his mercy and his grace. So that in the coming ages, you ever notice that God has a reason for why he does what he does? There's always a reason why he does what he does. Always. You want to know why sometimes we go through a moment of suffering? There's a reason behind it. 
We'll know why there's sometimes we actually have to walk through the consequences of our missteps or the consequences of missing the mark. There's a reason behind it. Always. The problem is, is when we miss the reason behind it. When we're blinded to it. There's a reason why there's things that happen to us and we have to walk through. He has a reason for it. And when we miss that, we miss out on what it, the true intention of it was. So God's reason behind all of this, so that in the coming ages he might show the what? Immeasurable. Immeasurable. There's no measure to it. Somebody, somebody was gracious enough to bless Julie and I with a new fridge. A new fridge. Um, and it's a fancy fridge. You can, even, you can even go up to it, and you, when you put the water in it, your water cup, it tells you how many ounces are going into the cup. Now, that may not be fancy to you guys. It's fancy to me. I've learned that 12, 12 like the one cup I use to fill the coffee maker, I can fill it to 12, and it only takes me three pours of that cup to go in the coffee maker. There's a measuring component to it. When I go and I make lemonade, or I, I don't make lemonade, that's not true. When I watch Julie make lemonade, I notice that she measures stuff. When Julie likes to bake, I notice that she measures stuff. When I cook, I don't, this looks good. I don't know, someone taste it, tell me what, like, there's no measure to this. I want us to grasp this. There's no way to say this is what it is, this is the amount, because there's no way to contain it, there's no way to measure it, it's immeasurable. It goes, so that he, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches, the immeasurable abundance of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God is not restrained by our missteps. God is not limited by our past. God is not restrained by our missing the mark. In Romans 5, 6 to 8, it says this. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You could put in the, for the ungodly, you could sit there and say, Christ died for those who had missteps. Christ died for those who missed the mark. Christ died for those that were dead in the trespasses of their, sin, in their sins. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. To give you a little understanding. You ever see the Secret Service people? And they're there to protect the who? president they also protect who important people excuse me they're de there to protect those that have been deemed important let's just kind of clarify that one <clears throat> they, they're willing to take a bullet for these people they're willing to give their life for these people now now as, as wonderful as all of you are, I don't see any of you having secret service agents around you. You may, and you maybe just left them out in the lobby. I don't know. But I don't see anybody walking around sitting there. You get where I'm going with this? 
And so they say this. So in this passage, we get an understanding that for, for, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. In other words, you know what? Someone may not be willing to give their life for just a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God, see, God didn't say this. God didn't say, you're important, but you're not. God didn't say, you missed the mark too many times. You've hit it more, so I'm going to love you more. God, rich, the immeasurable riches of his grace did this. But God shows his love for us and that why we were still sinners, why we were still missing the mark, why we were still misstepping along the way, Christ died for us. Not dependent on what we did, not dependent on how good we are, but dependent on his riches of his mercy. See, the, the, the past, the idea that, that God did this, that it's not restrained by our past, he, he did even more than that. He has an answer to our past. He has an answer to these missteps. He has an answer to these, these times we miss the mark, and that answer is this, verses 8 to 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's a gift. It's a gift. How many of us, if given a gift, will let it just sit there? Now, I'm not talking about when, you're, when those overachieving parents go out and they get all their Christmas shopping done the day after Thanksgiving, and then by that Sunday, all the presents are wrapped and around the tree that was just put up, and you had to wait 25 days before you could open. I'm not talking about that. But how many of us are given a gift and have the opportunity to open it, and we say, you know what? Just, that gift looks pretty. I'll just sit it there. And we just look at it, and we'll say, look at that pretty. My wife put bows on it. It looked awesome. My wife does an awesome job of wrapping gifts. But those kids don't care how awesome that present is. They tear into it. This is the gift that God has given us. This gift of grace. We don't earn it. We can't be good enough to get it. Remember, we all agreed that we've all had missteps and we've all had, had, had missed the mark. Because of that, we don't deserve this gift. But he gives it to us anyway. And it's there for us to, to receive. It's there for us to open. It's there for us to, to experience it. See, his answer is this grace, this, this peace that, that came because of what Jesus did. When Jesus went to the cross and he, and he died and, and his blood was shed and he went to the, to the tomb and he rose three days later, it conquered death. And because of his, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, it showed us this new life. And because of that, his grace is given to us as a gift. And this grace is, 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 can be defined as this. God's goodwill, loving kindness, favor of the merciful kindness by which God 
existing his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, kindles them through the exercise of the Christian virtues. See, this grace peace comes from him. This grace peace is him showing his love towards us. It's this grace peace that is the thing that is given to us that, that draws towards our souls and draws us towards him. It turns us towards Christ, not away from Christ. It draws us towards a loving God. It's this grace peace that is poured out that does not stop. It's his goodwill. It's coming from the holy God that is not defined by anything, but it is who he is. And this grace peace comes out of him and it's coming through Jesus. And by it, it's this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast in Romans 2 4 it says this or do you presume on the riches of his kindness this word presume do you take lightly do you take lightly his riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to what? See, God is kind, and he's merciful, and he's loving, and there's a reason for it, and that reason is to draw us, to turn us towards him, to lead us towards repentance, to lead us to say in this, God, I missed the mark, and I'm sorry. God, I misstepped here, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And you know what? I'm going to do my best not to do this misstep again. I'm actually going to turn from it and walk away from it. Because you love me so much, I'm going to get rid of this misstep to the best of my earthly ability, my human ability, and turn towards you and start walking towards you. But it's because of his love for me, not for my love for him. It's because he loves me that it draws me in. See, God has the answer, and it's his grace to our past. We all have a past. Our past is not limited, or God is not limited by our past. God has an answer to our past. But God has a new life waiting for us, a new life waiting for us. See, when we put our trust, our faith, our trust in who Jesus is and what he came to do, when we receive, when we go over and we open that gift, that beautiful gift of grace, and we let it cover us and we let the richness of it come over us, the abundance of it wash our sins away, when we let that grace become a piece that flows through us and out of us, when that piece becomes what it is, then all of a sudden he has this new life for us. And it's this, verse 10, it reads this, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He says we are his workmanship. You ever go and see like a, a sculptor? You go and see somebody that, that works with their hands or, or even go even somebody that creates something. 
They work with their hands to create something. It's, it's their creation, and they, they, they do things to make it form the way they want it. They do things to make it look a certain way. They do things to, to, to bring a certain uh, distinct piece to that, that, that work that they're doing. And that, see, here's what it is, is we are his workmanship. And so when I sit there and I look at some of the struggles I go through, maybe that's God saying, you know what? I'm making you into something. Remember, you're my workmanship. You're my piece of art that I want to show off to the world. So as you struggle through this, as you go through this, I am, I am creating you for something. I'm, I'm rubbing the rough edges off. I am, I'm letting you walk through this piece because I have something that I want you to look like. And I have something for you, but I need you to walk through this so you'll better understand why people struggle. You'll better understand why, what it feels like to be broke. You'll better understand what it feels like to struggle in a marriage. You'll better understand what it means to truly repent from a sin that's had you captured for years. You'll truly understand what this looks like when I truly move in your life and there's transformation. And it's all done to transform us into who he wants us to be. Why? Because we are his workmanship. And when I start looking at all this stuff that I go through, all the pain, all the, all the and even the joy and the good stuff, all of it's made so that we, in the reality of his workmanship, and it's created for him. And in all of it, as he continues to mold, as he continues to carve, as he continues to shape, as he continues to do all the things that God does in this world, he does it for a reason. He has this plan for our life. He has this new life for us. Your sweet spot, let's call it. He has this place for us that he created a long time ago and said, you know what? I want Chad walking in this. And I'm going to let him walk through all of this so that when he's here, he's right where I want him to be. Insert your name in that and understand that's what he's doing in your life. That right where you're at, he wants you to receive his grace. He wants it to overflow in your life. Because he has a new life for you. Prepared beforehand. So that. Or that we should walk in them. See the work that we think we have to do to receive his grace? It's already been done. We get his grace. And now because we have his grace, we put in the work. We put in the work. Colossians 1, 9 to 14 reads this. And so from the day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Can I back up real quick? So as to intend, it says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
You ever been in a place where you just don't understand God and what he's doing? You don't understand his plan? And so you sit there and you try to contemplate it. You try to figure it out. You try, you just sit there and you, you dwell on it and you're, you're not getting anything out of it. And you're just like, wait a minute, I can't move on till I understand it. I can't do something until I fully understand it. And here's what I want you to understand is this. Understanding God, truly understanding God doesn't start at the beginning. It's an ongoing process. You want to come to true understanding of who God is? Put your faith in him. Start walking with him. And as you walk with him, you start bearing fruit. As you walk with him and start bearing fruit, you start doing some amazing things for him. And guess what? Your understanding of him increases exponentially. See, we, we, when we, I, I'll never forget this. When, when we're sitting there, we're getting ready to plant Light Point Church. I thought I had a good understanding of who God is. Let me just say I, have knew, knew, I had no understanding of who God was. But as we continue to walk... As we continue to take steps of faith, as we continue to, to be obedient, as we continue to bear fruit, as we continue to love a neighborhood that we've been called to love, as we continue to love people that we've been called to love, as we continue to do all these things, my understanding of God has grown exponentially because I walked out what he called me to walk out. If I would just stay here and say, you know what, God, tell me who you are and let me understand who you are while I'm sitting here, I'll say this, you'll never understand who God is. That's not how God works. How many of you are married here? Have been married. Okay. Did you understand your spouse when the day you said, you know what, um, I do? Did you understand them? If you're shaking your head, okay, that's fine. Do you understand them more now years later? I heard no. I'm doing a marriage retreat here in a few months, and I would like all of you guys to come. Listen, Julie and I have been married 20 years, 20 years this past February. My understanding of who Julie is and who God created her to be did not begin on February 6th of 1999. It started there, but the full understanding, and I don't understand her all the time. I don't, that's not what I'm saying. But I have a better understanding of who she is as we walk together, live together, and we walk in relationship. The minute, if you have kids, the minute you were handed a kid and you're like, why, they didn't make me pass a test for this? Where's my manual? And I want one specific to strong-willed children. They don't make that, by the way. Anyway, um... That understanding of what that baby is, and then you see them grow, and you see, because why? They're living, in the, and you're walking with them, and you're gaining a better understanding of who they are. And if you're actually doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is spending time with them and actually trying to understand, you learn that even though you, you have three kids that, that, that are there in your family and raised by the same they all have different personalities. They all have different ways of responding. They all have different ways of, of receiving their love from parents, and they all have different ways of responding to discipline. And here's what's interesting is, if I, if I just stay with my head down and ignore all this stuff, I miss out on the, all this wonderfulness. But as I walk with them, I get to a better understanding of who they are. The same is true with our Father. From the very beginning of where I am now, I'll gain a better understanding of who he is and knowledge of him the more I walk with him.
you don't get it back here, what you get here. And it never happens unless you're willing to walk it out. He goes on, he says, being strengthened with all power to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of missteps, missing the mark. It's in him that we have this. We all have a past. Paul points to it. God's not limited or restrained from our past. He has an answer to our past, and he has a new life for us. When we walk with him, we'll gain a better understanding, but if I never walk with him, I'll never understand him. I'll never gain a better understanding of him. And it's only through doing the walking and the work that he has prepared for me that I'll truly start to gain a better understanding of who he is. And so my question to this is this. Are you still one that hasn't opened the gift of grace yet? If so, may I invite you to do that today. And my promise to you is this, is that when you open that gift of grace and receive it, your understanding of him will start to grow. What you're wanting to know about him will start to increase as the days go on as you walk with him. If you don't open that gift of grace, you'll never start to truly understand who he is. So I invite you to do this. I invite you to say what this. God, I have no idea who you are. I have no idea what this truly means, and I don't understand a lot of these things, but I know you've given me this gift of grace, and I want to receive it. Please come into my life because I want to walk with you, and I want to experience your goodness, and I want this forgiveness of my missteps and of a missing the mark. And you can pray to receive that. Maybe you're one that's sitting there stuck in your past and you're saying, but I don't know, understand what he's doing in this very moment. And may I encourage you with saying this, that you're his workmanship. He's creating you and he's moving you and he's molding you into what he has for you. And may I just say, surrender to him. Give it, give it over to him and let him transform your life. And just walk with him. So I don't know where you're at, but a lot of us rest in those two places. And maybe there's a surrender piece, the surrender piece comes in both, but maybe we just need to surrender our hope of understanding and exchange it for his grace that just keeps coming. And maybe I need to just give and surrender what I want out of this life and allow him to work in my life so that he creates me for what he wants me to be doing and I can walk in it. Let's pray. Father God, I love you and I praise you. I thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. I thank you for your love for us. Lord, I thank you that in you there is riches beyond our wildest dreams. And I don't mean material. I mean the riches of your mercy and of your grace. There's an abundance of it that overflows every misstep and every mark that was missed. And Father, I give you praise for that. And Lord, even in my own missteps, in my own uh, times I missed the mark, I pray, Father, for your forgiveness. And I thank you for your grace that pours over that. I thank you that you allow me to walk through things, that you allow us to walk through things, to mold us and to shape us because you have things in place for us, works that you want us to do that happen when we give our lives to you. And I pray, Father, that we would walk in those, Lord, and that we would see your fruit being bared 
in this world. Lord, you had planted us in this community. You have us right here, Lord. May we be a light that shines bright for you. And Lord, I pray, Father, that lives are transformed, our lives and the lives that we get to meet, that they're transformed by a loving God who loves us so much that we are drawn to him. He changes our lives so that we can go out and be a light for you. Father, you're amazing. And I give you praise for what you're going to do because of your grace and your mercy that cannot be limited. Father, I love you and I praise you and I ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.